0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening, where we continue our reflections into where we might find Christ in cinema, or maybe more specifically, the many spiritual themes that we find in the movies that we watch. And as it is Wednesday, I do have Father Mike Ritter in studio with me. So Father Mike, great to have you with us another evening. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be here. Now, Father Mike, the life of a priest just kind of has a lot of demands. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. all have demands. You have a lot of demands, and so it doesn't afford you the opportunity to be with us every week. But it's interesting. As I was reflecting last week, I think we've had 14 or 15 programs. It doesn't seem has like it that. Been that many? Yeah, yeah. No way. No way. It really has been a blessing that you've been with us. Oh, maybe 12 of those programs. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Anyhow, last week we talked about the greatest showman. This week we are set to talk about La La Land we put The Greatest Showman and La La Land back to back because we just thought it'd be good to have that extended conversation about musicals yeah. and what music is all about as it plays itself out uh, on the stage. So I don't know if you have any f- reflections. Maybe not so much to The Greatest Showman, maybe there, but sure. it's certainly the power of music.
1: Well, I mean, the, this deep conviction about music's power goes as far back as... as uh history and thought goes back. I remember studying, uh, you know, the Greek philosophers and whatnot, and the idea of the, the power that music has to order, to bring order or disorder to one's soul. Mm -hmm. You know, even Mm -hmm. throughout church history, you know, the, the kinds of music that were and weren't allowed because of its, uh, Fundamental orientation towards or, or away from the harmony of the universe and all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, in, in the history of of human thinking and experiencing, there 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 is this deep conviction about the great power of music, as a deep internal organizer or disorganizer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sharing with the people in the parish on Sunday a, a poem just entitled "Music" mm. by Ann Porter, and she tells this story. She said, "I was sitting as a child." Uh, on the floor as my mother played the piano, and I was weeping, and I didn't know why I was weeping. Mm, mm. And she asked the question, what is the secret, almost magical power uh, that that can move us beyond words? And, um, and she says that I think memory rem- reminds us of an almost forgotten country. Mm. Uh, speaking of heaven, speaking of our origination in God, that somehow music is a language that just runs deeper than, uh, not unlike art or unlike poetry or whatever, but it, it just has this great power to uh, express, uh, something inside of us that, 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 um, words qu- can't quite get to. You see this in these musicals. Nobody really walks around, uh, dancing on freeway overpasses, <laughs> you know, yeah. or tell us a story and you break into song. <laughs> However, um, there are these, I mean, just on the level of practical experiences, there are these musical threads which run through our lives. The first dance, mm-hmm. uh, the song at your wedding, the song you fell in love to, the, the song that reminds you of the friend who is no longer a part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, in the same way that these musical motifs tie the, uh, the storyline together in the movie, I mean, that's not a stretch at all. We, we don't break into song on the freeway, but there are these melodies that knit our lives together and and kind of form some some sort of emotional spiritual dna
0: for us yeah father mike one of the things that strikes me as i'm listening to you is how the church fathers or even more specifically uh, the mystics of church history past have used language that is often tied to music to describe either their relationship with jesus christ or our lord's relationship with god the father here i'm thinking of saint elizabeth of the trinity One of the things that she draws out in the Passion narrative is how our Lord's obedience, hidden obedience to the cross, was a perfect hymn to the Father. Hmm. A perfect hymn to the Father. And what was so unique about her description is the way in which she used musical language to describe what was, in fact, uh, this profound expression of love. Because love in of itself does speak to how we might describe music.
1: Oh, yeah, and I think of the uh, the psalmist, you want to bring this into the Christian, uh, or the biblical world and prayer, I mean, sing a new song to the Lord as a, mm-hmm. as a, a reorientation of your life to God. Yeah. Um, all of the, you know, the ancient poetry, uh, Homer and whatnot, these were all like sung uh, poetic verses, you know, yeah. that, that somehow we've communicated our story uh, by way of music. I think of the, uh, the lullaby and mothers uh, singing sleeping baby to sleep, uh, yeah. uh, uh, crying child to sleep. There's just something uh, so powerful about it. And so, as I say, while nobody walks around bursting into song in the coffee shop, I do, sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think what it represents by way of a metaphor, maybe if we can call it that, yeah. is uh, how, how music is this deep,
0: soul-driving, uh, soul-communicating, uh, powerful type of deal. And as we speak to the soul, then we also speak to what is universal. I think something about music that we also have to remember is that as you speak to it, as being an organizing principle, is that it is something universal, mm-hmm. and as it is something universal, as it speaks to, you know, God's love for man, there's something that we are called to revere there. You know, you think about the word beauty, the nominative Latin there, what is pleasing to the senses. Mm. If you get into it, its like a diminutive root, as von Balthasar would, something to revere, yeah Now von Balthasar and many others are talking to the universal truth of music and how music well done speaks to a deeper beauty, yeah, and so this is I think again something that our our culture grasps at
1: oh absolutely, and we can speak of transcendentals in music. you talk about beauty uh certainly uh uh unity mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh what is i mean what is a choir it's harmony, it's different uh notes and what not coming together and being I mean you can't uh have an orchestra on your, by yourself you know no, no. A powerful image for life too you know what is the what is a symphony for example it's this this common thread that that knits together high notes and low notes i mean it's a wonderful way to think about our lives that uh, the beauty of our life is not all happiness or all sadness but but light and darkness high tones low tones all kind of held together by some some deep interior logic
0: So as you speak to this interior logic, uh, the the high tones, low tones, (laughs) light and dark, La La Land. Mm -hmm. Now, just a a quick summary here, Father Mike. As as most musicals, La La Land is a show with romance, is a show with drama, and certainly a show with comedy. And it's centered around two dreamers, right, in the city of Los Angeles. It begins. With what I would say an impressive number. Now, now it's something that you're always going to see, right? <laughs> I think it was Highway 105 that yeah, they did yeah. that routine on. Um, but it is here where the lead characters of Sebastian and Mia cross paths for the first time. Now Mia, played by uh, Emma Stone, is a wannabe actress working as a barista mm. and auditioning for anything she can get her hands on, really. Whereas Sebastian, played by Ryan Gosling, is a talented jazz pianist. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of music, speaking of what one might be attracted to, I love jazz, so there was something for me in this movie, if I might uh, say. Now, as a talented jazz pianist, he just can't uh, seem to hold on to a gig, um, because he likes to, as the movie draws out, be... Uh, free-spirited, I guess, in his music playing. There's something about jazz that is freeing, if you will, and, you know, he's playing these Christmas songs, and he feels suppressed. Yeah. yeah. So, now, it was on one particular night at a restaurant where Sebastian goes off the set of these Christmas songs uh, given to him, and he plays this beautiful jazz piece instead, and this ultimately gets him fired, Mm -hmm. but not before it catches the eye of Mia, who found his plane mesmerizing, and so as the movie moves forward, Mia and Sebastian run into each other uh, again and again, and uh, at one point, they find themselves together at a party, and even though their personalities clash, a chemistry begins to build, a chemistry between the two that keeps bringing them together, and so as the seasons pass, Mia and Sebastian fall in love, right, as every movie captures. However, their pursuit of their dreams begins to get in the way of their relationship. So in between the songs uh, and the dances, they must decide what's truly important for them. Mm -hmm. I think this Father Mike is where the musical begins to go a little off tune, if you will, (laughs) keeping with the metaphor. Now in the final scene, and I think this is really what we want to talk about, in the final scene, Mia is reminded of her former love and re-envisions her life had things been different between them. In her fantasy, he would have been able to stay by her side for all of her accomplishments by foregoing his own. Intentionally, as I think um, we could imagine, the sequence plays him in the exact places and situations as her present-day husband, mm-hmm. with their would-be child replacing her actual child. So she returns to reality, and here she finds herself, right at this uh, restaurant with him playing jazz that he started the very end and she glances at him with a smile that seems to while affirm their love for one another at the same time father mike affirms something else that this movie is very much about
1: oh yeah that that was such a powerful scene too and so they they this mutual smile and acknowledgement and what's what's great is mia steps out of the bar with her you know, her actual husband now, and Sebastian is left counting off the next song, like one, two, three, four. In a sense, he keeps playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't help it, but no, this is certainly a, a love story, and they're on kind of two tracks. You have the the fantasy romance track where she can project herself back into every moment where things went wrong and make them right somehow, and then there's the reality uh, the reality track, if you will, where their love is, is, is a deep love, but it, it has all of this uh, messiness about it but one of the things that i couldn't help uh but notice just as you were doing the recap is uh you know the the actresses are the the main female character her name is mia which means mine
0: yeah yeah isn't that you know what i mean and th- <laughs> this
1: is a different kind of love story because it doesn't end the way you expect in which you are mine the one that uh, the object of my desire becomes mine but he loves her precisely by letting her live into freedom. He, he loves her by letting her go, mm-hmm. um, by allowing her to pursue what she has to pursue. And, and I, I would suggest, I think, that that, that is a, a very, very deep expression of love. It's a messy love. It's a love that involves losses. And at the heart of, um, I think, the question that the movie poses is, is that kind of love worth it? Mm-hmm. You know, at kind of the centerpiece or the turning point of the movie, Mia goes in for this audition, and and instead of reading lines and whatnot, the uh, the casting people they ask her, uh, "Tell us a story," and she tells this kind of metaphorical story about her grandmother or somebody who mm-hmm. gets into the river, and she she leaps without looking, she gets tumbled about, and kind of uh, makes a mess of herself. But but the great conclusion she comes to is, uh, it's worth it. And I would do it again, even though I got beat up in the process, that we make a mess, uh, we who are dreamers, but somehow the world needs that mess. Uh, so there is the clean fantasy version where um, yeah, all is romance and all is done well, and that, that, that powerful question that we have all wrestled with is, uh, if I could go back and make all the messy moments clean, and, and uh, would, would that make my life more real, happier? Would it be the happily ever after? Mm-hmm. And I think if we can speak to a profound uh, expression of truth in this movie is that uh, real love is not always like that. Uh, It is messy. It does involve leaping without looking and sometimes taking a beating. Uh, It does involve loving others into freedom. It does involve necessary losses. And I guess at the end of the movie, we too are meant to step back and ask the question, uh, is it worth it? Would I do it again?
0: Well, if we were to love like Christ loves, what does that look like? It looks like an absolute mess, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> look yeah. at what Jesus yeah. had to endure. Yeah, look at the cross. Yeah, look at the bloody mess. Yeah, and yet, and yet, this is where we find our salvation. Mm-hmm. One of the reflections that I had uh, on this movie just didn't come from the movie in my many notes, I probably had as much scribble about (laughs) this movie as any other movie we've watched, Father Mike, was something that I came across in some of the chat rooms. Hmm. I often don't do this, but from time to time, I I go to see what people are talking about. And man, there was a great tension Hmm. in these chat rooms. And it had everything to do with what you were just talking about. People want to keep their messy lives at arm's distance. We all want the fantasy. Right. We all want the Hollywood epic. And this is where this musical goes against the grain. And to some degree, we saw that a little bit last week with The Greatest Showman, but nothing like this. It goes against the grain, and it makes us uncomfortable. But we are made to be uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is a good thing. Oh, yes. And
1: the last note that I made and I was watching this movie last night was, uh, honestly, I said, this is a different kind of love story. But it is a love story. Um, they, they have a great conversation as they're about to, to part ways. Um, Mia's about to make her big break and she's going to go to Paris. Sebastian is going to stay in Los Angeles and work on his music stuff. And the question becomes, where are we? What does this do to our relationship? And they, kind of, they both kind of have to take a, a moment of pause and say, well, we don't know. But the, the conclusion is, uh, where they kind of rest is, but I will always love you. Hmm. And I think that that comes kind of full circle in a wonderful way as they, as they discover what that mutual love will mean, that uh, they love each other in letting one another go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's the deepest love story of all. I mean, look at the cross. I mean, Jesus is uh, uh, let go, in a sense, by the Father on the cross, as as the supreme act of loving. Yeah.
0: Now, they are not married, so some might be hearing us talking about this, Father Mike, and say, well, wait, wait, wait a second, what are you talking about? I mean, how can they let each other go? They're not married. Right. They're in pursuit of their dreams and and to some degree their passions and we might label this their calling, so sure, sure. you know this has that context, but this is where it is different from the greatest showman because the greatest showman captures you know this wife who is going to stick by him through mm. thick and thin through the the highs and the lows right.
1: Oh yeah, I think that this speaks to the drama in a more fundamental level. Um, yeah, yeah. The phrase that keeps coming, or the concept to me, is like necessary losses. Can can I can I love others out of my life in a sense, mm-hmm. as an expression of real, genuine loving? On, on a, maybe on a more um, more the level of maybe maybe emotion is too shallow a word, but that kind of existential uh, tension that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned this when, when Sebastian is speaking about his love for jazz. He's talking about like so emphatically, as you oh, we were saying. Oh, it was, it
0: was my favorite part in the whole movie. Oh, yeah, he I, was just so wrapped up in uh, his love, his passion for, for what jazz is all about. And the yeah.
1: magic for, of jazz for him is that it's not this uh, neatly ordered style of music that you would find in, uh, let's say... Uh, your bach or your mozart where you have this kind of rhythmic logical progression but jazz is kind of it's born out of tension and and improvisation and a movement forward and i think in the movie that jazz becomes a great analogy for life one of the uh the comments in the beginning was you know you're so fixated on the past but jazz is about the future it's how we move forward and live out of our tensions with creativity Mm -hmm. and that somehow uh bringing our love to an authentic expression in the middle of the messiness of our mm-hmm. lives and of these tensions, to me, is, is very much, you know, there's a there's a nodding affirmation of the love at work and all of that as the movie comes to a close for me.
0: Yeah, and God does not suppress that. Right. Right? He is Creator, capital C. So he he yeah. doesn't suppress this, but as we create... As that which is beautiful evolves, it does so within the context of the creator. Yeah. Right? And, and so this is a, another point to be had. One of the things that struck me in that conversation was his appreciation for the origin from which jazz came, mm-hmm. which certainly is the emotion, the tension, and he wanted that to be rediscovered. Yeah. Uh, essentially, passion itself to be rediscovered. He says, yeah. don't you understand? And he, he, he goes off on, yeah, yeah. you know, how it all started. And as he did that, and the reason why I loved it so much was because he was going back to its original expression. If we're going to come to understand who we are and where we're going, we have to rediscover where something came from. Yeah. To create something new doesn't mean to abandon something old. We do it in the light of the old, right? I mean, what are we talking about here but tradition, capital T, uh, uh, lowercase t, which is simply conversation with the past. We can't create something new if we are not conversing with where something came from.
1: Oh yeah, and, and we've talked on the show uh, about the Christ haunted culture, and oh, it was I, our first program. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in this uh, tradition and and, and uh, different thought systems, there are so many of these themes that haunt the movie: uh, sacrifice, mm. the, uh, bringing you know that the necessity. Not only is a sacrifice necessary. Uh, but you have this question, is it worth it? And I mm. think there's a resounding yes to uh, it's worth it, that we, we walk this path of sacrifice as we chase our dreams. I mean, I, I can't think of a more Christian theme, and if you want to have part with me, you have to take up your cross and, and follow after me, mm. that uh, passions have to be disciplined. Mm. Mm. Um, again, uh, loving others in, in freedom. I, I just think that there's... To, to have Hollywood uh, give an official nod... <laughs> <laughs> to such, to have dis- this is the Christ haunted culture that the deep recognition that the language is different, but that kind of innate sense of the inherent value, mm-hmm. uh, the truth uh, of these uh, kind of existential cores. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that that's such a great affirmation of uh, what we have said in philosophy and in theology in so many other
0: ways. Is it worth it? Really, is the great question I was asked. Oh. Oh, five, six days ago, I was doing a parish mission, and I was talking about being one of 11 kids, and this uh, elder lady came up to me, and she said, was it all worth it? And I said, emphatically, yes. She says, but you didn't get A, B, C, and D when you were growing up. Yeah. You didn't have the opportunity to E, F, G, and H when you were 10, 12, 14, and 16. Yeah. And I said, you want to know what? I didn't get a lot of things, but what I did get is sacrifice. Yeah great sacrifice. Yeah. And 25 years later, I can say that while I'm closer uh, to some siblings than others, I am good friends with all of them. Why? Because of the sacrifice, because, Father Mike, of the messiness. Mm. There was a lot of messiness, and to some degree we are having to deal with this messiness today. But as you've already touched upon it, it was necessary. There's no one thing that's perfect, and so often Hollywood captures this, this ideal that we all dress up as the perfect thing, yeah. which isn't reality. And this movie touches, I think, a little bit more into what reality is.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, again, th- that whole question uh, at the center of the story that she tells at the heart of the movie, uh, I would do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that choice, we're kind of left with a cliffhanger really as at the end, as this fantasy is being played out and all the, mov- the moments are done, right? When they pan back to the girl, is she going to actually be sitting with Sebastian now? Yeah, Was, yeah. Did she actually get a rerun? Yeah. And, um, you know, again, I think this is so popular and so powerful because it speaks to a, a fantasy that we have. You know, if I could make my life different. And, again, I think there is at the end the affirmation of the truth of what our journey has been, the necessary losses, let's call them the holy losses along the way.
0: Yeah, the unum necessarium, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and
1: then uh, again, I I can't get over the, um, to me, the two poignant points at the end. One, uh, Sebastian loves her, Mia, mine, by letting her not be his. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I you like know, that. it's yeah. just such a powerful uh, that we we need to drink some more of that juice. Yeah, <laughs> that, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Loving you does yeah. not mean claiming that you're mine. And, and and so often in life, in so many ways, we have to love people away from us.
0: Yes, we and as we do, go. we love them to what but eternity. Yep. And, because that's the reality.
1: And what does one do in that and that very recognizable pain? And, and that was such a painful scene. How does Sebastian end the movie? He keeps playing.
0: Yeah. And what's fascinating, I think, just out from my own experience, in that pregnant pause, if you will, towards the end, when I was waiting to see, as everyone else was, as you were, Father Mike, to find out whether or not she was still with him. When she wasn't, I was like, "Ugh, oh, you know, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. What's yeah. up with that? And immediately I asked myself the question why am I just a little upset right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Joe, get over yourself. There's a much deeper truth yeah. being communicated right
1: now, right? There's a, uh, there's a great poem by a woman by the name of Mae Sarton, and the end of that poem is called The Contemplation of Wisdom, and she's wrestling with all that's frustrated, all the tension in her life, all that's unfulfilled, and in the end, her great contemplation of wisdom, she says, and yet uh, I am lavish with riches made from loss. Hmm. And there's a very tender, smiling, mutual acknowledgement at the end that there is a richness in the loss, and we keep uh, creatively living out of our tensions, making jazz of our lives, and moving forward.
0: Amen. You know, Father Mike, as you're talking about the loss there, I can't help but turn my attention to Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He, He once talked about how we have that tendency to want to turn to the sciences and the mathematics to discover the ultimate meaning of God, right? And certainly... Mathematics and science can help us better understand who God is. But he says, if you really want to probe deeper, then turn to another science, the science of love. Turn to another kind of mathematics, the mathematics of God, where in the light of the cross, a loss is a gain. What appears to be negative is actually a positive. Uh, Where there is a subtraction, there is actually addition. Uh, This is the kind of mathematics and the kind of science we need to apply for going to understand the deeper meaning of who God is. So yeah, loss is very much at the heart of divine revelation in our Christian faith. I'm looking up at the clock, Father Mike, and we are out of time. <laughs> that went by way, way too fast. There's a lot of other things I wanted to talk about. That's okay. We'll have other opportunities to talk about similar subject matter next week as we have kind of programmed ourselves out over the next three four weeks we are set to talk about dunkirk mm. so we are going to shift this is a big and, shift yeah this is a dramatic <laughs> shift from yeah. Yeah. these mu- musicals of the greatest showman and la la land to dunkirk mm-hmm. which is going to i think afford us our first opportunity to talk about uh, war mm. heroic choices yeah. uh, in a new context and i i very much look forward to that i don't know father mike if you had any closing thoughts
1: Oh, only that i it's a great movie. I've, I've seen it once. I look forward to okay. taking a look at it again. It's, it's a powerful movie, so I, I can't wait.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, for all of you listeners out there, if you have any questions, comments, observations for myself or Father Mike and anything he had to say this evening, please do not hesitate to email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com. Or as always, you can go to my website at org. Just hit the contact link button there and send your message on its way. Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Sure.
1: Lord God, you call us to, to sing a new song to you uh, out of the tension and out of the, uh, both the, the peace and the anguish of our lives. We ask you to pour out your grace upon us as we ask for your blessing, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Amen.